This is the Non-Microwave Truth brought to you by Time of Grace Ministry, and I am C.L. Whiteside, the little man that could, the little man that would. First, I want to shout out to the people who have liked or subscribed the podcast on YouTube. I saw the comments. I tried to make sure that I liked them all. And of course, thank you to all the people who have written reviews and left the five star on their favorite pl uh, podcast platform, whether that's Apple or Spotify or whatever it is. Appreciate you. Love you all. Now, we're going to get into a series in honor of Black History Month that talks a lot about race. Now, this is not the type of series or episode, for that matter, where you can take a clip and just make one big assumption. I need you to listen to, to the whole thing. Now, with that being said, we're going to get into our first world problem question today. And our first world problem is definitely a lot more serious. Now, in the news, we've heard about the Memphis police and a young man by the name of Ty Tyree Nichols who appears to have been beaten, being beaten to death, uh, kicked, punched. It's not something where I would say, hey, go watch the video. You don't need to do that. You can you can get the idea and you can get the gist. And the first world problem question is this with the police officers. Do you think this is a thing of the power just getting to their head? Because we know there are tons of police officers who do not do this. Tons of police officers who are not in the news for this. But of course, when something like this happens, is going to make the news. And the second part of our first world problem question is this. I see a lot of people enraged. I see a lot of people wanting to, of course, for this to stop. And they handle it by protesting, peaceful protests. Now, if you think Jesus, if Jesus was in our society today, do you think he would be a part of those protests? Now, I have my own idea. I have my own thoughts with this. I think that Jesus would protest, but it wouldn't necessarily look like the way the average person wants him to protest. And when we see in John chapter six, verse 15, when he fed the 5,000 people, they wanted to make him king after this. Like, Jesus, you should be our king. But he got away from those people. And we look at him later talking about in John chapter 18, verse 36. He's like, this kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not here. And I think that would enrage a lot of people where a lot of people would say, Jesus ain't for the people. Jesus is this. Jesus is that because he wasn't the type of leader that they wanted him to be. But what do you think? I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is Champion Life 23. And again, our first world problem question is this. Do you think Jesus would be protesting? And how do you think that protest will look? I definitely don't think he would shy away from the topic. But I do think he would constantly be reminding people there is a deeper issue. Like even if Jesus came back and he was the greatest civil rights leader, he understood that there was a deeper issue. And that's with sin. And Jesus came and defeated sin. And boy, boy, oh boy, is that a blessing. He understood that there was a deeper issue. And that, that was the first thing that he had to start with in order to get to the to the micro. He had to start with the with the macro. But I remember I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. And this is our first word problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is It Starts With Those Closest. Now, the next four weeks, we'll be talking a lot about race, and that can be a sensitive and, and tough topic to navigate and to talk through because of different emotions that come up. People get mad, different perspectives that we hear, but we don't want to run from this. We want to talk about this topic with love, with compassion, and more importantly, with a biblical 
perspective. So you might get a little uncomfortable, but just stick with it. Let's let's try to get through the whole episode and let's try to get through the whole series. Now, I know some people are like, man, I love to talk about this stuff. man." And after this, you might be like, man, I want to dive into this deeper. You can actually do that in the episode links in the episode notes. There's a link that you can click on where I did. I had a conversation, a discussion from a Christian perspective a few years ago after the George George Floyd situation happened. And we talked about that with a background of putting God first. And if you want to, you can go check that out. That is in the episode notes. There's a link you should be able to click on. It's called Right Race, a Christian Conversation. Now, let's get into our episode today. Who is the last person to really make you angry, to get you heated? Who's the last person that you feel like stabbed you in the back? Do you have that person in mind? Does that person happen to be the same race as you? Now, on this episode of It Starts With Those Closest, we really want to address that because a lot of issues that we have in our lives come from people that we we count on, people that we can actually touch and reach out to. And it starts with those closest. And we don't want to repeat history because when you look at history, you look at racism and other isms they're, they're definitely real. But at times it's underestimated on how many times we don't check our, our own backyard. And this is not one of those episodes to say like racism is not real or other isms are not real. But it's to get you thinking about, man, are there issues that are right there in front of you that you can actually address? Because I look at it like this. If you got an army outside that's ready to attack you, it's nothing if you got a boogeyman in your closet that you haven't taken care of first. Because the boogeyman in your closet that's that's right next to you is going to be the first one to take you out. And we want to look at that today. And just the whole idea of why did people come to America in the first place? Why did Europeans come to America in the first place? And we're talking about in slavery time. So first we look at at the British. The British would say they came for for money. Some would say they came for religious freedom. And when we look at money and what I mean by it starts with those closest, it was kind of like I, I was thinking about, like, why did no one at their home in, in, in Britain say, hey, this is not a good idea. You're going and stealing people's land. You're going and stepping on people to get to a ne- the next level. Why did no one check them? It starts with those closest. And I think they forgot about the passage from Matthew 6, verse 24, which says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot love both God and money. So I think about people nowadays who have who work for big companies. Are you making or asking the right questions, I should say, because we could even be contributing to modern day slavery and not even know it. Why? Because I don't want to mess up my paper. I don't want to mess up my pockets. I'm getting comfortable. Now, I think about other people that move to to America, because if you talk to a lot of white people, they'll be like, man, my family, I, I promise they didn't own slaves. And, you know, what? that's probably true. But even when we go back to that, the, the Germans, uh, the Swedes, the Italians, people from Ireland, a lot of them came here because they wanted opportunity. They wanted a chance. Back home, the taxes were just too high or that the landlords were lording over them and not being fair. And when you look at that, that means that the people back home, the, their community, their government, the people they were supposed to be trusting, they couldn't get along with. So that's a perfect example of that would be Europeans not getting along with Europeans and trying to get a, a new start. And that's what I mean by it starts with those closest. And then if we think about this, a lot of this 
they thought was going to be just a money thing or a power thing, but it became more than that because they actually tried to do indentured servants at first. And that didn't work. Go read about the Nathaniel Bacon and his rebellion that he had. And then they came up with the idea of, man, we could even get free labor. So that's where the Africans came into play, because we did. We do know that they tried Native Americans, but they were killing them in the masses just from the, the germs, the, the diseases that they weren't exposed to. And when I think about Native Americans and Africans, the same thing applies with it starts with those closest. And I think about it like this. Some Africans were sold into slavery by their own people because they're prisoners of war. And I look at some Native Americans, they were at war with each other from tribe to tribe. There even could be something on the other spectrum that says, you know what? These people were stole, stolen from their own land and people just came over there and took them. And when I think about that, too, I say, well, why weren't they more united to defend them off? And that's why I mean, that's what I mean by it starts with those closest. And when we when we think about this and we look at this. There was something that they were enamored by a lot of times, too, that could have been the glitter or the gold or whatever they were offering that made them not united as, as they possibly could have been could have been. And I think there are three big lessons there are three big lessons we have to learn from the start of America. And the first one is this. Make sure your home is right. You, you have to make sure your home is right. You got to make sure your family's right. Then your neighborhood's right. Then your community's right. Then your government's right. Then you keep expanding on it. The second thing is we got to make sure we're not chasing money. We're not chasing land. We're not chasing opportunities and just being bystanders of things that we should be stopping. And the third thing is, we got to make sure we're not hiding behind God's name because so many people do things in God's name and it's so ungodly. There are sins of commission, which means you committed a sin. And then there are sins of omission, which means you didn't do something you were supposed to do and you just omitted. I can't take a stand for them because I'm just not getting money. I'm just not getting comfortable myself. And we see what happens and we look at what, what happened in the time of slavery is Human beings stopped seeing other human beings as human beings. They saw them as property. They saw them as animals. They saw them as, as less than. And that starts with those closest. And we're going to look at the Bible and some examples that our country fell prey to as well. Things that they could have done differently. Jealousies that they have. Insecurities that they didn't check. And how that created the system that we have today. And I want to look at Exodus 1. Exodus chapter one, verse eight. This is a, a new king or a new pharaoh who's coming into play. And what he decides to do is he decides to put the Israelites. He decides to put the chosen people. He decides to put the Hebrews into slavery. But listen to his reason why it says, then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So the first thing I just want to point out, Joseph, who is Joseph? Why did Joseph mean nothing to him? Should Joseph have meant something to him? Absolutely. Joseph should have meant something to him. But we got to rewind and we got to go back and just check out Joseph. How did he even get to this position? So Joseph was he ended up being second in command in Egypt. Joseph has already passed away. He died. But how did Joseph get to Egypt if he was an Israelite? Well, that happened because he was sold into slavery by who? Not foreigners, by his brothers. 
And how did this take place? His brothers probably thought he was a little arrogant and he, he might have been arrogant because he told them about his dreams. And he says, one day you're going to bow down and worship me. And they like, hold up, little bro. <laughs> like, never. That, that's not happening. And then on top of this, he happened to be the father's favorite. So you think about this. You got a house full of boys and Joseph happens to be the favorite. And we know he was a favorite because the, the father gave him a, a special, a special coat. You can go read about this in Genesis chapter 37, verse 12 through 36. And Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. In fact, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him, but they said, no, nah, we'll just go ahead and, and sell him into slavery. And it's like they stopped seeing Joseph as a person. And this didn't start with outsiders. This started with his own family members. So the question I have for you, the question I have for myself, like, man, is it anyone that I'm jealous of? Anyone that I have animosity towards? Anyone that I am not treating right or not seen as my brother or sister like I should be seeing them? And what we see with Joseph is Joseph being sold into slavery was a plan by God. And he ended up being second in command. But him meaning nothing to this person. Like when you think about this, Joseph was put second in command. He was put second in command because he had an awesome plan when they had a famine on how to defeat the famine and how to to save the, the country, save the nation and also to save other nations. So if there was anybody Anybody Egypt should have been thinking about for years and decades to come, it should have been Joseph. But this king, this pharaoh has some insecurities, and that's something too, power. The power got to him, and he wanted to keep that power by any means. And he was so power hungry that he created a problem that wasn't even there. Like, oh, the Israelites, they're going to turn against us. Like, where did you get that from? It's something that he created in his head. That's something that the enemy does to attack each and every one of us. That's the, the king being a little delusional right there. Power made him like this. Now, I'm going to keep going on and I'm going to talk about Moses. And when Moses is dealing with his people, Moses, the people are now in slavery. And now Moses is going and he wants to defend and he wants to help his people. But Moses had a little different upbringing because he got to be raised in the kingdom because just how it worked out. Go read about that in Exodus chapter one. But it says one day after Moses had grown up. He went out to where his own people were and he watched them hard at labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, the Egyptian beating a Hebrew, that's wrong. But what? We, how does Moses respond to this? He kills the man. He kills the man. And it doesn't appear that that's wrong because we find out find out later on that Moses flees. And we're going to read about that now. It says the next day Moses went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Now, first thing I got to point out with this, two Hebrews fighting, two Hebrews fighting. Like there only is, there should only be one enemy that they have. And that's who? That's the Egyptians. Like you are in slavery. I thought about making this a first world problem question. What in the world could they have been fighting about? Like, why were they wasting their energy on this? Like, what could it have been? And I think about that in our in our world, in our society. So many times we're arguing with someone that we're bleeding and we're sweating with about what? 
I don't even know. It, it doesn't tell us. And then the second thing I thought was very interesting is how sarcastic the dude was who possibly could have got saved or saw Moses save another Hebrew the day before. Who made you ruler and judge over us? Like, really? That's, that's what you're going to say? So even when you save your own people, you don't get rewarded for that. Like, you don't. At times, you will get no respect for doing I ain't going to say the right thing, but for saving someone and making their situation better. And that's what we got to be careful of. Saving people out of situations in a certain way when we shouldn't do it. And we saw that Moses, he shouldn't have killed him. He could have saved him, but he didn't have to kill him. Now, two big takeaways that I want you to come out, come from this. The first one is this. I got to paint the picture like this. If I see two women who are disrespectful to each other, who are cussing each other out, who are treating, treating each other as less than a person, and I, I look at them and say, man, these women don't even respect each other. That doesn't give me the right to be a jerk or not show compassion to them. And I know at times people will use the excuse of, well, they're killing themselves. Black people are killing themselves. This is true. Right. And it is to an extent. But that doesn't mean that you or I need to be a bystander to it or add to this. And another thing that comes along with this is, man, we, we just don't want to deal with these problems at time. We don't look at them as as our problems. And I wanted to say that's almost white flight, but that can't be the case in all of it because black people do this. Asians do this. Hispanics do this. I think it's called you get a little bit of money and you don't want to deal with the problems to flight. And we all can be guilty of that at times, but it's it's really challenging ourselves. What are we running away from? Do we view this as our problem? Is this something that we can help the situation or are we just being a, a cause in the wrong direction? And something that I see with churches and schools, they love to do mission trips, go all over across the country, go to different countries, go to different nations. But I'm like, you won't even go to your hood or you won't even go across the bridge or on the other side of town. And I just think about that. Go and make disciples of all nations. Yes, make it the whole world. But but don't forget about your own nation that could be possibly across the bridge or on the other side of town. So those are just two takeaways for you. And what we learn from our Lord and Savior is we have to get close to people. We definitely have to get close to people. And you think about that. It's like, why would I want to get close to someone to have them stab me in the in the back? And that's not always going to happen. And that's something where God can protect you and he can shield you from. But the reason we want to get close to people is not to. And I got this from uh, Pastor Jared Williams, who's the pastor at New Direction Christian Church. And we were talking about um, relationships with our wives and just how do you get your wife to submit to you? And it's you love them into submission. You don't manipulate them. You don't criticize them. You don't talk about them so bad that all of a sudden they're going to submit. No, you love people into a change. And that's just a concept for us to take in, in any and every relationship, loving them in the, and getting close to them. That's something that our Lord and Savior has shown each and every one of us. Now, on this episode of It Starts With Those Closest, we have to look at Jesus. We have to look at Jesus and the people that should have been closest to him, the people that should have been rooting and cheering for him. They, they weren't, though. And what we see with this is. Sometimes we band together for the wrong reason. And this is the case with, with Jesus. And the first one I want to look at comes from Luke chapter 22. Who should have been the closest to Jesus? Of course, his family, but also his 12, the 12 disciples, the people he spent three years training, three years training. But we know in Luke chapter 2, 22, one of them betrayed him, betrayed him, betrayed him. Why? Money, 
cash rules everything around me, cream. That was his motto. Or when we look at John 11, verse 45 through 57, go read about that. Who should have been supporting Jesus the most? The church, the priest and the Pharisees. But instead, what were they banding together to do? They were banding together to kill him. And this was after Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. You think after seeing something this miraculous, seeing something this wonderful, thinking like God is good. No, they were thinking, dude is taking away our members. Dude is gaining too much power. I want that power. So you know what we need to do? We need to get rid of him. And I think that's a question you have to ask yourself. How do you handle power? How would you handle power? How are you handling the power that you have right now? It's so easy to look at people who are in positions of power or authority and say, man, I would do so much different or I would be so much better than them. But how do you do with the little power that you have? How do you treat people right now? The last one we want to look at comes from Matthew 26, verse one through five. And again, this is them plotting to kill Jesus. These are the priests and the elders who are aiming to kill him. And it's like, why? It's a power thing again. So the people that should have been closest to Jesus, his disciples, one of them betrayed him. The church, the priests, the elders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they should have been because they so-called represent the church. But like I said, people do things in God's name and are sometimes the farthest away from God. They were against Jesus as well. Now, there are five big takeaways to take that or to make sure we guard ourselves from becoming those people that a lot of times we deem as evil or we say, oh, I, I just can't stand them. The first one is this. We cannot, you cannot, I cannot. We cannot serve both God and money. When we think that or when we allow money to be the dictator of all of our things, all of a sudden you stop seeing a person as a person and you see them as a thing. You see them as an object. You see them as a path when you really should be seeing them as a brother or sister in Christ. So greed is a thing that, that gets to us for sure. And that's something we got to guard our hearts against for sure. The second one is we have to fight fire, not with fire, but with water. And this is something that God, our Lord and Savior, was awesome at doing. This is how Jesus did it. And this is what keeps us from becoming evil ourselves. So someone wrongs you, like we talked about with Moses. He, he wronged one of his brothers. He didn't have to go and kill him. Two wrongs don't make it right. Two wrongs just make people it just makes two people wrong and it keeps us from being evil the third thing is this constantly examining ourselves, examining who we're becoming examining the things that we are now striving to get or thinking that we have to have at what cost i know a lot of europeans who who came to america did not necessarily think about stepping on other people but that's what they ended up doing because they were so tunnel vision and focused on stuff and the wrong thing and sometimes that they would whoop, zip their mouths and be quiet because, oh, I, I can't say anything. I don't want to defend this person because I could end up getting in trouble or some people could end up looking at me a certain way. And thank God to the people that, that did do that. And the fourth one is speaking truth with love, especially the people that you touch on a regular basis. And I just think about how many people, how many family members saw their families going to other places and they say, you know, what, I'm just going to hold on to my possessions even more and made them want to leave or how many family members didn't say anything to them when they were like hey you know what you're doing is not right it's not godly how many people just shut their mouths and said i'm gonna just put my head down and do what i have to do
That's how it is sometimes. And that's something we still can fall guilty towards to this day. And the fifth thing is this, and this is probably the biggest thing. We have to celebrate that our common enemy has been defeated. The main time we get together with those closest is when we feel like we have a common enemy. But who is our common enemy? Our common enemy that has been defeated is sin, death, and the demons and the devil. Common enemy right there. And it's been defeated. It's not been defeated because anything we do has been defeated because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, died for each and every one of us, paid our debt and defeated those enemies. So we have a common enemy that we can celebrate with. That common enemy makes me look at a person and be like, man, that's my brother or sister right there. They could be any type of race. They could be blue, purple, black, Asian, Japanese, Hispanic. Doesn't matter. But when we look at this, it starts with those closest. And that's checking our home checking our neighborhood, checking our community, and most importantly, checking ourselves. And when we see what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he gives each and every one of us a reason to call someone a brother. And more importantly, what did Jesus do? Jesus checked himself and he checked his disciples. And he defeated and gave us a common enemy who has been defeated. And this is the non-microwave truth. Next week, we got an episode where we're going to talk about a certain disciple that was a little bit two-faced. And when we're talking about this disciple that's two-faced, we're going to make sure that we aren't two-faced. Thanks for joining me on this episode of It Starts With Those Closest. This is the first in our four-part series. Looking forward to discussing this with you. Remember, leave your comments, share this with a friend. And yeah, let's, let's we out. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.